You're listening to Real Adventures for Club Marine. Get peace of mind with Club Marine Boat Insurance. Now time for All Aboard for Club Marine. Get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat motor and trailer, plus your gear, all-in-one policy, clubmarine.com.au. Andrew Hart, Hardy from Hookline and Sinker joins us this morning. Hardy, thanks for your time, mate. All Aboard, boys. How are we? We're going well. Now, it would be rude not to say our favourite half of Hookline and Sinker, wouldn't it? We said it last time with Nick. We gave him that, so we'll say it this <laughs> I don't think you've ever had me on. It's always Nick this, Nick that, Nick this, you know. So, look, I feel very humbled and honoured. Uh, it's because he block, normally blocks my calls, Patrick. <laughs> well, he refers to himself as the member, so. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, he certainly is the member. He's the <laughs> member of the upper house, Tasmania down here, and far too important now to, uh, to be seen with smelly fishermen. <laughs> hey, let's chat about your trip. You've, you've obviously travelled extensively for hook, line and sinker, but you've, you've completed a fascinating trip. Uh, for a recent hook, line and sinker series. You took your bar crasher up north, the eastern seaboard. You had some fascinating fishing there. Now, it's one thing to host a, a fishing show, but to actually take your own boat and travel up around Australia, uh, that's another thing entirely. Yeah, it's a good way of doing it because um, you sort of get to see it all. Um, you do spend a few miles in the car, and to be honest, you probably drive past a few fish because you've only got you know, a limited time that you can go and, and be on the road filming. So you've sort of got to pick your destinations quite wisely. But, um, look, one of the biggest reasons we did it uh, last season and, and we've certainly done it in the past is because we live in Tasmania, um, which at this time of year is, you know, the best state in the world. There's nowhere you'd rather be. But um, in another sort of three months from now, um, it's not so good and it's cold and it's just nice to get north. So it just it ticks all the boxes. You know, we're able to... We're able to put some exposure onto our, our sponsored boats and our sponsored cars by using them in, in the in the environment they're meant to be used, um, and you know go fish these wonderful places. So you know we started from Melbourne where we picked up a new bar crusher, and over the course of about eighteen months ended up in Darwin, um, you know via Cooktown. So it was a it was a pretty epic trip. It was. It's one thing to have a centre console in Tasmania. <laughs> Yes, it's, that's another thing. It's another <laughs> thing to have a beautiful bar crush at 7.30 and take that around Australia into really why it's built for the top end with, you know, 30-plus degrees every day. Talk us about the boat, the build process for that, and then how you found that, you know, taking that up north because it really is built for those sort of climates where it's just all-round fishability uh, and... You know, you're able to cast from the front deck. You can catch tuna at the back. You can you can chase billfish. It's a beautiful vehicle. It's probably um yeah, it's probably one of the well, it's probably the most versatile um bar crusher we've owned. Um, we've actually got it back down here in Tassie now. I was out on it this morning catching kingfish and flathead. But you're right, it is built for those northern climbs. Um, I think the the thing that really hit it home for me was that I was doing a fair bit of stuff out from sort of Cairns, out from Port Douglas, out from out from Cooktown fishing the Barrier Reef. Now, to get out there, you know, you need a decent boat because it's, it's, it's sort of 20, 30 mile across pretty crappy, choppy water, even on a nice day. Um, but the, the Bar Crusher obviously handled that fine. It's got a big, big, big yammy on the back with all the bells and whistles, you know, cruise control and helm master and all that. Um, so, you know, it eats that up. But then we're able to, to sneak around the top of the reefs, you know, in half a metre of water, um, Polaroiding GTs and coral trout and red bass 
on the electric motor while he's standing up the front of the boat. So, you know, for me, it just it ticks all of the boxes. Um, we trialled, we did a heavy tackle session out from Cooktown trying to catch giant marlin. We ended up losing, you know, a smaller model of one. But um, we did that, and then the next day we were in half a metre of water, um, you know, fishing up GTs and stuff. So, yeah, look, it, it certainly ticks all the boxes. I've since had it back in Tassie, uh, where at the end of the season of hook, line, and sinker last year, we caught two trout out of it in Lake Crescent, uh, <laughs> a ten, you know, a ten-pound trout. So that was really like, right, well, it's sort of it's done full circle now. It's pretty much done it all. And to tow it up there, obviously one of the major sponsors of the show is Izuzu. And I like the fact that you take a car that hasn't had every inch of its suspension changed. It doesn't have 400 halogen lights attached to the roof. It's a ute, and that's what it is. There's not anything added to it. Everyday person. Exactly. It's what an everyday person would drive. And you can take that to Cooktown now. You don't have to add every single bell and whistle to your car. No. Look, I'm I'm not a massive rev head petrol fan petrol head fan anyway so I wouldn't know what to add but no look off the you know off the shelf they are a very capable car they tow the they tow the bar crushes no worries that's another thing about the bar crushes they're just really towable and easy to use and easy to keep clean and easy to tow around um, and look I've had that you know that D-Max in some pretty um, pretty gnarly country um, not with the bar crusher on it but um, you know four wheel drive tracks and on the beach and um, it tows it, no worries, up every ramp. It's just, a, it's just, you don't have to think about it. Like, it just takes you there and it's comfortable. And yeah, look, it's a good setup. The, the boat and the car is just a great setup to hit the road. Hardy, now, Patrick, this sounds great, this trip, right? What stuffed up? What went wrong? There <laughs> has that, to be, there has to be 18 months. That would be you and I. What be, went wrong? You know? We need to know what went wrong. What are you doing different? What, would you have any major stuff ups or anything like that that you'd do different again? Uh, I didn't drop any bar crushes this time on the boat ramp. <laughs> so pretty much after that, nothing really you know compares with what goes wrong. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I even broke anything. Maybe I was just being a bit too careful. Um, <laughs> That's no, a terrible trip. That can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> no, early on, I was trying too hard. I was putting too much pressure because we were, you know I fly in, fly out. Like it's not like a mining job, but you know if I didn't fly in, fly out, I wouldn't have a wife and kids yep. here yeah, at yeah. home when I got home. So, you know, you try and limit it to sort of a week on the road or a week to 10 days on the road and come home. Um, I, I was putting so much pressure on myself early to catch fish. Um, once I stopped wanting to catch fish and just filming the experience and the adventure and the location, the fish came. That might, may sound really, really silly, but, um, you know, if, if, if you were going out there chasing, for example, a big flathead from some estuary in New South Wales and you put all your eggs in that basket, it's a hard show to make if you don't catch one. Um, whereas if you just go, this is some beautiful estuary in New South Wales, look at that, look at that, look at that, um, and just have a few casts, um, crack a few cold ones, uh, that's when the big fish come. Yeah. So I think I just learnt to really, um, rather than do it as a, as a jet set fly and fly out trip, I really just started to enjoy it. And, um, and I think that was, that, that sort of paid dividends toward the end of the trip. I was just like, yeah, should be right. You know, what sitting, will be, will be. I'm, and sitting we'll film it. I'm sitting here shaking when he says relax. I don't think I've ever been relaxed fishing before. Well, I, know, I know how he was feeling. <laughs> I think that makes it more relatable because not every session that you go at is the greatest fishing expedition you've ever been on. But God, no. You hate this line, Aaron. I do but hate going this line. Out. I was waiting for it. Going out, there's something special <laughs> about it. It's nice to be out here. <laughs> hey, let's talk your most memorable 
were your three most memorable catches from your recent trip? What were yeah. they? What what was something that just you you wanted to tick off on this trip before you began? Uh, and eighteen sure. months later, you come home and you go, "That was pretty damn special to do." Well, one of the last fish I caught on this trip was actually at a place called um, what's it called up there in the top end? Um, oh, west east of Darwin. Anyway, somewhere up there. Um, <laughs> and I caught a, a juvenile Queensland groper, which I'd never caught. I'd never landed before. So, you know, I fished for 15, 20 years around the top end, barra and whatever else. And occasionally you throw your lure into a snag and you just get dusted up by a huge fish. And, you know, your, your local or your guide will say, oh, it's probably one of those gropers. And I'd never I'd never caught one. I'd never seen one. And finally I hooked one sort of out out a little bit off the bank and um, fought it for a good probably half an hour chasing right. a big, big coder and I didn't get you know I didn't see it until the very end and sure enough it was a, a big Queensland groper which I, might not sound like a, a <laughs> it's a big ugly coddy thing in reality but it was one of those species that I really wanted to catch they're actually quite pretty when they're juveniles they've got sort of yellow spots on how them big was it? Bait, that's how big was oh, it? probably probably a metre I don't know well, maybe a fish yeah, sort of 15, 20 kilos maybe. Um, yeah, a big fish. Um, has like mud crabs spewing out of its mouth. Like, <laughs> that would have been picking those up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they were pretty ranches. They stink up there um, once they've been out. But yeah, that was King Ash Bay. So that was a great trip. Um, the trout that I mentioned, they were good. So I actually had a mate of mine uh, who lives in Melbourne make some little lures uh, out of, you know, he whittled them out of wood. And um, flew him down here, and we uh, we caught some yeah very very big trout on those lures, which was a highlight. Um, and the third fish would would have to be the the giant trevallies that we were catching in uh, yeah in sort of up on top of the flats of the of the Great Barrier Reef. That stuff's insane. Like I've caught GTs before on poppers where you sort of you know cruise along the, the deeper edges of the reefs, but um but yeah that that fishing on top of Barrier Reef. Um, is absolutely world class. Can I give you mine? I'm going to give you one slightly different, but one of the fish that, for some reasons, I've, I've caught one before. It's but it's still on my bucket list. You caught a beautiful Saratoga. There's something about Saratoga that I think is just it's prehistoric in a sense, and you caught some beautiful fish as well. Yeah, that was a special day because we we took ourselves off to a little lagoon that we've never fished in Kakadu. Um, and, you know, drop the big bar crusher, oh, that's the wrong word, put the big bar crusher in, um, <laughs> you know, and, and just sort of started um, started exploring up the edges of this lagoon, and I think we caught a nice barra. And then as it turned out, there was, there was lots and lots of Saratoga, and um, they're a great fish. They're, they're a difficult fish to get the hooks into, so you generally, you know, if you're using, say, a little soft plastic or something, um, you'll, and you'll, you know, you'll see them hit it because the water was quite clear. Um, but getting the hooks in was kind of difficult. You've got a very bony mouth. Um, and is that because that big them. bottom jaw as well? Like it's a, it's almost a, a hooked jaw. Yeah, I guess it is. I think they're pretty crap at eating because I've sort of tried to catch them on like surface lures and like scum frogs and flies and things, you know, under the water lilies. Um, and they just they just charge at it and, and, and I think they eat without thinking too much. I think they're just bad at <laughs> bad at getting the, the food in their mouth. Um, but when you do, sounds like them, my kids. They, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. they fight fairly. They fight all right. They don't fight as well as a barra. But there, there is something special about them with their colours and, and those big scales and those little 
um, cat-like whiskers under their under their chin. Um, yeah, no, they're a beautiful fish. They certainly, you know, everyone says they're a prehistoric fish, and they certainly are. They they look like not a lot of other species that we have in Australia. Take us back to Tassie now. You've got uh, sitting probably in the sheds the uh, the new project boat. It's finally on the water. Take us through the process with that, and what do you what do you plan to do with it? <laughs> So, yeah, it's actually living on Flinders Island, which is, uh, you know, Nick Digan's other home away from home. Um, and we, the member, we, the member. The member, the member's other, other, <laughs> other <laughs> home from home. And uh, the member and myself actually launched the boat out of Bridport on the north coast um, a few months ago now. And, and we set track for Flinders Island. We sent the trailer over on the barge. Um, and we had an awesome island hopping day. I think it was like 50-odd nautical miles. Um, and caught fish, and yeah, look, it's living over there catching giant crayfish and uh, kingfish and snapper and that sort of thing. That's probably that's sort of where we made the boat for. So we decided to instead of doing an old project boat this year, we'd do a new one. <laughs> was it was it nice to have something where everything's just perfect, and it's nothing oh, against the. Sure. The process of a project boat because there is a no, it is heaps the, against the, it because they are pricks to do, <laughs> especially glass. It moves, it carries on. Oh, I can't tell you how nice it was not to have some sort of disaster, <laughs> um, particularly after the last one because the last one was, I think, or maybe the one before was a, a, a pride sea raider, like an old. Yes, Caribbean that's what I grew up there. in. A, I grew up in a Pride. That's what my old man yeah, had. It's a, a good boat. It was a good boat. It's yeah. a great boat. It's actually still. It's living locally to me. It's the guy from the local pub. <laughs> uh, and, and it goes beautifully. But my God, we had some issues. So when we bought it, it was the start of COVID. So we had some glass work done on it in Victoria before bringing it back to Tassie. We were told it had two hundred liters of fuel under the floor. It turned out it had eighty. Um, <laughs> so then we had to recut up the you know beautiful floor that had been done, um, and we tried to fix it by adding a adding a plastic fuel tank, and then reglassing the floor, and then that failed. <laughs> then we had to cut it up for a third time and just bite the bullet and put a new fuel tank in it, um, and finally it was fixed. But you know th- this is over a process of six or eight months, and. You know, fiberglass guys are never very fast at doing their jobs. They're all crazy because they've been sucking in so many fumes and whatever else. For years. Um, <laughs> it's just like, oh, God, what else can go wrong? Um, but no, look, this year we just thought, let's put the newest stuff from Yamaha, so the Helmmaster, the, the joystick and, you know, the electric digital steering on the on the twin outboards and put it on a new boat. Um, they build the boats locally here in Tassie. Uh, it's sort of a rip-off of a of a Haynes V19R that's kind of extended it out to 21 foot. Um, fairly customizable, I guess. So we, we just decided to build more or less a work boat with a big sort of working area, wave breaker, and that was it, and, and, and twin 175s on the back. And no, it went like a rocket. Would have. <laughs> twin 175s. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. it, it's not that Spartan, though, when you've got this beautiful sort of plush leather-looking cream seats like it, it that was, was the member's choice does that surprise you that that was the member's choice was there a red carpet walking down the middle <laughs> yeah. it was sort of your Riviera sort of Flybridge sort of seat that, uh, that it's you went sort of, it's sort of the look and feel that he goes for these days it's like god it's, change no, man no, Nick isn't he yeah, he's a change man <laughs> they're good seats because they you know they, they flip from one side to the other so you can be sitting on it facing forward 
and then the backrest actually flips, so you can be sitting on it facing back, looking at your rods. Quite clever. Oh, Didn't like mind that. that. Yes. Hated them when they first turned up. I thought, what the <laughs> hell are they? <laughs> but they're, they were actually quite practical. Um, the other thing we put on it was a, a cray pot hauler. Now, I've never thought you really need one. At, and, you know, at the cost of what they are, they're sort of several thousand dollars. Um, but, God, that makes cray potting fun. Because you, know, <laughs> you don't have to pull them up. No, I, I was going to no, say, there's a, bit, there's a bit of a difference, though, with the size craze that you get in Tassie compared to just about everywhere else in the country. You do need a cray pot hauler to get the bloody things up. <laughs> to haul them up. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. But, yeah, it makes it uh, enjoyable in that you can – well, it actually makes you catch more fish because you pot deeper water, which is probably – been less potted, you know what I mean? So yeah, you're sort of potting 20 to 30 metre water. Um, and I've been told by a cray fisherman mate, like a pro, that if you're pulling them up by hand from that depth, the, it gives them a chance to get it out. So I don't know whether that's true or not. Whereas if you use your hauler, um, you know, it's coming it's up at constant. a later knot and they, yeah. and they can't get up. Yeah, my, they, yeah, mine, so. my crays would die of old age as I'm pulling it up, Pat. <laughs> they, wouldn't, they wouldn't get out. <laughs> yeah. They would die. I reckon you would no, die before they would did, I though. Die. Yeah, well, that's it. <laughs> Hardy, yeah. uh, what, can we, what can we look forward to uh, for this year for hook, line and sinker? What have you got in store for us? It's an excellent question. I'm just waiting for the kids to go back to school and start down <laughs> <laughs> But no, look, I've got a new bar crusher coming. So I've got the 780, the big one coming uh, with a windscreen this time. So the big hard top. Um, so that'll be, you know, some adventures in that. I'll probably bring it back to Tassie to start with um, before putting it on the road. And um, might look to even do some sort of, you know, surf, not a circumnavigation, but to sort of fish, fish my way around Tassie. Um, and then mix that in with some, some trips on the road. Um, you know, any ideas are welcome, basically. Might be time for you to take him. Uh, I was about to say, any ideas? Locally, do, you, do you need myself? I was going to come on the trip. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's just work it out. We'll go and do it. Um, yeah, no, you know, as it gets colder, I'll go further north, I guess. Um, yeah, plan. so. Oh, actually, I, I'm, it's definitely happening, but I haven't given it too much thought yet. So I'll get those kids back to school and then I'll get into it. Perfect. Sounds good. Uh, Hardy, thanks again for your time this morning. We always love chatting hook, line and sinker and the fun that you have on your show. That's easy to see and I think it's why certainly viewers relate to it as we do. Thanks for your time on Real Adventures this morning. Thanks, guys.